Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy listening to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, now is your chance to become a patron of the podcast. Go check out www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. There's different tiered levels and each of one of them comes with something special and unique, including the Friday debrief, which is a short podcast episode that I record on Friday mornings, just me and my coffee. And it's only available on the Patreon page for patrons. So again, check that out. www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. Hey everybody, it is June 8th, 2020, and this is Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, episode number 30. It is June, it is Gay Pride Month, and I am a homosexual, so I understand what Gay Pride Month is, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're one of those people who are like, I don't understand, why is there a gay... Why is there a gay pride? I don't get it. What, you know, there's no straight pride. What, what, what's going on here? You know, I've heard that. I actually wrote about that in my first book, Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, which, yes, is a book plug, so get over it. Um, regarding the, in a chapter called The Underdu- Undercover Dick Pilot, where I was working with this pilot who was like, I don't understand why there's a black month, and I don't understand why there's a gay month. When's it straight month? And I can remember saying every fucking day is straight month. Every day is straight day, so settle down. But for someone who might not know, someone who actually is like, wait a minute, why? I don't get it. Remember last year when in Boston, a group of people wanted to have a straight pride parade? And at first I was like, they don't get it. They don't understand why there is a gay pride. So I was kind of like, they're idiots. Don't even think about it. But then when I noticed that it was basically a white supremacy, like circle jerk party. I was like, oh, all right, well, this makes sense. Now, this doesn't really have anything to do with, you know, oh, why don't we feel equal? It's just for you to get out in the streets and act crazy. So let me give you just a breakdown, the easiest explanation of why there's a gay pride. So what is the opposite of the word pride? It's shame. Okay, so that is what lots of gay people have experienced throughout their lives is shame. Our lifestyle is shameful. It's a sin. You're going to hell. You love someone, but you're going to hell. You could be the greatest human being on the planet, but because you're gay, you're going to hell. If you believe in a hell, right? So when you live your entire life, childhood and teenage years and early life and all you're hearing is that you should be ashamed of who you are, that takes a toll on you. And that's why there's a gay pride because we're not ashamed anymore. We've said, fuck it. We are going to live our lives. We love the people we love. We are going to not hide in the closet anymore. We're going to pull ourselves out. We're going to be strong. We're going to say, hey, you can love the person you love. I'm going to love the person that I love. We're consenting adults. It's okay. It has nothing to do with you. That is where 
That's why it's gay pride, because we don't have to be ashamed anymore. We can be prideful in who we are, and we can love ourselves. Do you, I'm going to tell you this. For every gay person you know, they've spent a part of their life where they did not love themselves because of who they were. And it was because they were hearing that message throughout the world. So that is why there is a gay pride. That's why we have that. Did you also know that back in World War II, when they put gays in the concentration camps, the Nazis would put a pink triangle on them. That's how they knew those are the homosexuals. Those are the horrible homosexuals, right? So that's why we took back that symbol. Sometimes you'll see like the gay the gay flag, the lambda symbol. I'm not too keen on that one. The pink triangle. I used to have a friend here. His whole house was pink triangles. I was like, I'm going to need you to bring it down a notch. <laughs> but that is why we have gay pride. So hopefully that is the basic. I mean, I could read Wikipedia to you, but that sounds boring. So let's get started with this episode. Well, first of all, before I before I get started, um, let me rewind a moment and just say that I've been saying gay pride a lot, gay pride, gay pride, but because that's where my brain is. But in reality, it's LGP, LG, oh my God, I'm the worst gay person, LGB, wait a minute, oh my God, LGBTQ, good Lord, I might, I might have to go check my account because I think I may have just lost all my gay points. <laughs> but seriously, it's not just gay pride, it's LGBTQ pride. And it's because everyone, every one of those letters has fought to be to stand proud for who they are. So I just wanted to clarify that before I get any hate mail. No, it's everyone in the LGBTQ community's pride. So now let's start with this episode. Today, I have author, poet, and educator of our youth, Joseph Anthony on the show. I love this guy. I met him in New York last year and he has written many books. He's written five books about love and pain and hope and anger. And his latest book called Colors, which came out last year, is a book of poetry. And he breaks it down into different categories um, denial, sadness, anger, strength, love, and happiness. And it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight, you're going to connect with one of those. And I love how the book is written. Um, also, we talk about gay pride and we talk about growing up gay and what it was like coming out. And also, what can people do to understand what it's like to be different? Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Joseph Anthony. Another clap there. Very exciting. Hey, everybody, I want you to welcome with me, I couldn't even get that out correctly, Joseph Anthony. Hello, Joseph. Welcome to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. I'm so excited you could be here. Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, we have, let's give everyone a little background. We haven't seen each other. We met once, and that was at the Rainbow Book Fair in New York City back in October. And um, mm -hmm. I was just so enamored by you. You actually, we had that moment where we did the reading and no one was there. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, we, uh, it's such a great experience though, because if you can get up and, and read your material in front of three people, you're good to go. Yeah, no, exactly. We, we 
sort of went there hoping that, uh, you know, we'd be thinking that we'd be reading in front of a larger group. And uh, the room we, we were assigned to, we ended up with just three or four people. But uh, it, it ended up being one of those, like, comical uh, comical moments. But also the fact that we were reading and the people that were there were excited to hear us read. It ended up being, like, a special moment. It was. It was really nice. And, but when you were, when when I know when I first walked in, it was that huge room with like 40 chairs and there were three people in the room. And my first thought is, I must be in the wrong place. Exactly. We're like, the, this can't be right. But it, uh, this it, could it was. not be right. And I, I just remember, I read before you and then you got up and... I was with uh, my friend David and Alana and you had Alana crying from reading your poetry. And I just thought, wow, that's so incredible. And, um, I, I was very impressed with, um, with how you write and your poetry. So congratulations on that. And congratulations for making my friend cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, your friend's very sweet. Uh, I, I remember, I remember just being, cause you went on first, like you said, and, and you're, you're so charismatic. You're so funny you're comfortable and I was I don't do too many readings so that was I was sort of nervous and it wasn't until I guess your friend uh, Alana you said started crying that I was like okay well she's she's connecting with it it's going well right when I make somebody cry it's usually because I yelled at them so the fact (laughs) so the fact that you could just read your words and you made her cry I thought it was so impactful because it's so important to connect with with your audience and you, you did that. I would have never thought you haven't done a lot of readings. You, you, you just nailed it. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Now, it, it's always nice sharing, getting to share, uh, share your, your writing and, and feeling that connection with, oh yeah. with other people. Yeah. Because we spend so much time as writers, you spend so much time. It's such a solo project. It's something you do by yourself. And so the idea of when you get finally are able to read it or people read it, it's, it's this weird, frightening, excited. It's like so many emotions at once. I don't know if that's how you feel, but that's how I feel when it comes oh, to absolutely. that. Yeah. Like you said, it, it, you write on your own alone and then to, and it's so personal and so meaningful to you. And when you share it, you hope it's so meaningful. You hope it's meaningful to someone else. And there's just that vulnerability, uh, you know, and it, it should make you uncomfortable and it should make you excited uh, sharing your work with, with other people. Yeah, especially when you have passion about it. And when you were reading, and, you know, I've read your book, Colors, of the, a book of poetry. I read it on the flight when I was coming home from New York. And you you're so there's so much passion in your words and your writing and we're definitely going to get to that so it may once i read your book i understood why alana cried why you made her weep which i still think is fantastic Mm -hmm. because read it because on the podcast when i have a guest cry i think oh this is going to be great for downloads (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh i'm gonna put that in the ad joseph anthony cried no (laughs) <laughs> yeah I don't, think see, I, come listen. I don't think i can make you cry i just tell dick jokes but um <laughs> now that we've gotten now that everyone knows how we've met please let them know who you are and what do you do and why you're making women cry <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i started uh my instagram page uh gay poetry uh, no underscore anything just just gay poetry uh a few years ago and i i started 
started writing uh, started writing poetry when I was in, in high school. I was in, in 11th grade when I was sneaking work, uh, blank line paper under worksheets. And oh, so that's something I've, I've, I've always uh, felt is the need to express through poetry. But I, I realized as I as I was uh, starting to come out to, to family and friends a little before that it, it became like a, a place where I could go just to, to write uncensored, uh, to write what I was feeling, uh, and these sh- short little bursts of, of emotion, uh, that I was feeling that I would share. And, uh, people started following and I really just did it, uh, as a, a place for my own expression and more, more people, uh, started to follow and I, it, the pages up to over, 10,000 followers now. So, uh, and I had never, never intended even to write a book of, uh, LGBTQ, uh, poetry, but I felt it, it just felt right when I, when I wrote the first one, uh, modern gay boy, uh, in, at the end of 2016 and, uh, to it was, was so positive and the messages I received, you know, in, encouraged me to swing and, uh, I realized I was connected people and just being honest about you know uh growing up gay and learning how to be comfortable with yourself and how to uh how to express yourself uh and then fast forward uh, four or five years and there's there's a second book uh and that's colors which uh really represents it's meant to represent the the lgbtq journey to find happiness like through all the stages uh the denial sadness anger and then the strength love and happiness so they sort of they sort of mirror the the, the positive and the negative uh, ultimately just just trying to find happiness because that's what we what we want but it's it's a rough road obviously oh it's definitely it's very very bumpy and turbulent um it's definitely a rough being an lgbtq member of uh, being a member of that group is not an easy road and, right. and I'm part of that group. So I feel like I'm confident in saying that. So I love the idea that you started this Instagram page kind of just for yourself to be creative. And then you amass this group of fans that have now over 10,000. Um, when you first decided to name the, the Instagram page, cause it's gay poetry, were you, were you, did you ever consider like, if I call it gay poetry, that's going to annihilate, that's going to possibly scare off non-gay people or was it most or was it more of no this is who i am this is about me and that's why i'm calling it this uh you, you know what, that never honestly occurred to me it, it occurred to me much later that there there's tons of what i write is meant to be relatable for people that are of all, all shades of, of walk of life yes. uh so there that definitely I feel does hinder my writing a little bit, the audience. But, um, when I was writing, like when I first started, it just, uh, it just was a place for me to go and express how I was feeling. And that's, uh, largely what I was feeling was the, the confusion, the coming of age, getting comfortable with, with myself and, and, and all that. Uh, so that's where the, and I wanted, I wanted sort of like an, an out title that would let other people know that, that I was trying to connect with, uh, that this is a place to go for, you know, wanting to feel, feel connected with other people that are feeling the same thing. So 
it helps the page and, it, and it, it's all, you know, part of it. I, I wish more people that uh, aren't LGBTQ would follow the page because I try to think, again, that I'm feeling what I feel is not only gay things. Like, sure, right. <laughs> I feel normal human emotions. So, and uh, I do have, there, there's other, there are other Instagram writers that I've connected with that we follow each other. And, uh, you know, the, the words really are what, what people stay for. So not the name or the, the title of the page. And that's so true. And I love, I just had, um, Craig Stewart. He is an author. Also, I just had him on the show last week and he said the same thing when he wrote his latest book, he said he wrote this for black people. He wrote this for people <laughs> that he could connect to. Um, he didn't write it to an eliminate white people, but when he wrote it, he sat down and said, I'm going to write this to my brothers and sisters that have the same color skin as I do. And what I appreciated and loved about his book and including your book of poetry is really when you get down to it, it doesn't matter what your sexuality is like with his book. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. You will connect to the book because it's about being a human being. Right. Exactly. So when I read your, like your name on Instagram is gay poetry, but when you dig deep into the words and the meanings in your book and on your posts, it, it goes much, it's much bigger than that. Even, you know, straight people could read this book and they've lost They've loved and been hurt. You know, they've fought for happiness. So yeah, it makes sense. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. We all have that journey to, uh, to find happiness and that there are poems in there that anyone can relate to. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's what a good writer does. I think that is what is successful when you sit down and write and you say, Hey, I'm going to write to this specific audience, but then other people who aren't possibly in your audience are like, wow, Hey, I'm not in your audience, but I came into the room to listen. Is that cool? And, um, right. Exactly. I think that's so awesome. That's happened here on the podcast. I, I had, a, I got an Amazon review, not an Amazon. I'm sorry. My book life and my podcast life are merging. I got an Apple mm -hmm. podcast review and it was from this gentleman in the middle of the country, like Missouri or something. And he found me through another podcast that I'm friends with, um, this, mm -hmm. uh, this heterosexual married couple. And he wrote something like, I don't think the grounded podcast is targeted towards me, but I've learned so much. And it, I think it was about like, a, um, I had a trans person on. And it, I just thought, wow, like, yeah, you're not my audience, but yay for you <laughs> for being open-minded. Right, yeah. I love that. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Your book. Being open-minded. Yes. Yeah. It, I wish more people were open-minded. It would make life a lot easier. But in your new book, Colors, when did this, ex this came out last year, am I correct? When? This came out uh, September of last year. September of last year. And what I love about your book, um, ladies and gentlemen, Colors, Joseph Anthony, you can get it on Amazon. I recommend it. And we're going to talk more about that too. But you break it down into, like you said, denial, sadness, anger, strength, love, and happiness. Um, which one, I'm very curious, which one was the hardest for you to write about? Um, that's a great question. To be honest, they were all hard in their own way because there's there's surface feelings and and some of the poems for each basically stage come come easy. I would say the hardest 
was probably early on denial and sadness because those really come from like early on in the journey. So you're, you're talking like 13 year old Joe trying to both the end of middle school, all of high school. Um, I played sports. So I was always a little bit, uh, in, it was always in the back of my mind that I was different. Um, so like having to go and like to, to revisit those times, but also knowing like that's where that, that emotion is, even if it's hard, that's where real things like lie. Uh, that was, so I'd say that was probably, uh, the hardest part of writing the book. Right. Cause you're, you're now digging deep into the things that hurt you when you were a kid or a teenager, yeah. you're coming out, you're, you're not like everyone else and you're into sports and you know, do gay people play sports? I thought you did. I thought you were in theater. You know, it's all these different ideas that people have. So was it scary for you to, to open up this door to become vulnerable to people by writing well, this in a book? Absolutely. But a, a lot of the, a lot of these things I, I, I started writing on, on the gay poetry page uh and i was i was like completely an anonymous like i didn't have my uh my name attached to the page or just gay poetry none of my friends or family knew about it and it was sort of like liberating even though it was it was hard um maybe to share but when you're when you have that uh freedom i guess it, it would be it's a little easier. And since like now friends and family, uh, follow the page and while that's great, there's still that there's a little bit of a loss of the uncensored, just raw honesty sometimes, because I think as writers, that's something we always struggle with. I don't know if you, you struggle with that too. Like, uh, feeling like sometimes you need to have a sensor that comes out even like a self when you don't mean it to. You know, I've struggled with that. Absolutely. Um, when I first started blogging, um, like 10 years ago, I, I would write and you know, I'm inappropriate. I tell lots of dirty jokes. I like to push the envelope as far as I can. And my, mm -hmm. my husband would always remind me, he would read an article and he'd be like, you know, my mom is going to read this. That was like yeah. his biggest fear was, oh my God, don't, that was one of our biggest challenges when I first was publishing a book or when I first started writing, I was like, I'm going to share everything about me because I'm an open book and I don't care. And I didn't take into consideration my spouse and he would come to me and be like, you know, my mom is going to read that or right. oh, what, what, oh no. And, and then we would go visit them. And because when I first started blogging, the only people that read it was me, my husband and my mother-in-law. So we would go to the house and his <laughs> mother-in-law would bring things up like, oh, I saw the, oh, Joe, naughty, naughty or whatever. And I would think, oh shit, she is listening. Oh my God, she is reading this. And I'm yeah. so awful, right? So I just had to come to this conclusion of, you know what? I can't worry. I'll be honest with you. This is what I said to myself. My mom is, my mom is dead. And I feel like once you have no parents, <laughs> you don't really have to mm -hmm. answer to anyone regarding something like that. Like, like when, like if I said something inappropriate, my mom was on my Facebook page and she was like, Oh my God, Joseph Thomas, what is wrong with you? I don't have, right. I don't have that. And I think once, you know, after she, she's, she's been passed away for 15 years now, but 
that was the something that said to me like, oh, wait a minute, I don't even have them. I don't have to, no, I don't care. I'm just going to say what I want. I don't need to censor myself for fear of upsetting someone. So right. I really set that up when I published my first book because even the title was inappropriate, Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts. And I thought- yeah. Yeah, just rip the Band-Aid off, Joe, and just do it. And so, but I, I understand that struggle. Now, how old were you when you came out, may I ask? Uh, I was 18 when I first when I first came out uh, to my parents. And we, it was, uh, I didn't come out to my, my closest group of friends until a few years later. Um, but uh, the whole thing, it was a process and, uh, and a journey. And uh, that's part of part of what the uh, the book and the stages reflect on is not just it's not just your own denial, sadness, anger, strength, love, happiness. That it's the people around you. It's uh, it's everything. So, well, in the denial part, which is the first section of um, poetry, I can feel the 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 angst. I can feel the. Uh, you know, maybe this is who I am. Do I even, do I know who I am? Do I want to be this way? Were those thoughts going through your mind when you were remembering experiences as a kid and writing these poems? Well, I, I know, I mean, it's obviously not, never, not, not a choice. And that's always something I've been very comfortable with that, you know, I didn't choose to be this, this way. It was just, uh, the angst comes with, with accepting accepting it, accepting yourself, learning, learning to be okay with yourself. And then once you get past that, you have the whole, the whole realm of now there's other people. You have to tell the people that are closest to you and hope that, 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 and you know, it's not something that anyone should have to go through, but it's a big part of what, what uh, ultimately we do have to go through. Now, when you came out to your parents first, how was how did they ex how did they accept it? Were they okay? Were they like we need to sit down with this for a moment? Yeah, they definitely took some time to come around, but now uh, uh, down down the road, they're they're okay with it. And uh, but it didn't just happen overnight; it, it was a, a journey and a process for them too. So um, back then, it was more difficult. Now it's it's uh you know something i'm grateful that they're you know on my on my side and in my corner you know the, i i think it's so important for people to because you know straight people listen to this podcast too and i think it's so important mm -hmm. to explain how Im how important it is important important i'm saying that word a lot um that if your child, if you think your child may be gay, if they're gay and they come to you, it's so important to listen to them and not freak out. You know, when I came out, the police were called. So, <laughs> oh my God. So that is probably, hopefully that's worse than your situation. Yeah, I know, I know yeah. my, my husband has a completely different situation. Um, I know when I came out and my mom was shocked, I was like, have you met me? <laughs> Cause I came out yeah, when I was yeah. 16. I was like, I've never had a girlfriend. I scream at the top of my lungs for every single thing. I dance around to Whitney Houston. I mean, what else right. do you want to catch Why me with a dick in my mouth? Like what else do you need? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so 
can you can you walk us through what happened when you came out? Because it's you're you're pretty young, so it's only what like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's about that, uh, a little bit over that. But um, no, so I, I I basically I told a friend uh, and was outed by that friend. Uh, so I wanted to to yeah, it was uh, and that was something that I I didn't even realize this friend had told other people uh, for a a few weeks to a few months before. So I was like in the dark about my own coming out essentially, um, which was awful. But, um, I mean, if I want to tell my parents before, you know, they heard, heard from someone else, they feel like that's definitely something that should come from me. So, uh, I told my mom and, and then, uh, told my dad and it, there was something they struggled with. And, uh, like, cause like I said, I played sports. I, I, I never, you know, had girlfriends or anything through school, but, uh, it wasn't as obvious. So, um, um, uh, it, it was hard and that, and it's something that took years for them to, to get comfortable with and to, to come around to. But now like my boyfriend goes over for family events, uh, and, uh, and it, it's, it's better now, but it was uh, definitely a process. And when this was going on, now were you a writer as you were going through that process? Also, um, I I was I I wasn't uh, I don't think as good of a writer as I am now. I mean, I really that was the end of high school, and I really didn't fall in love with writing until uh, college. And I, I I went to Rutgers and their creative writing program was really strong. And uh, it's when I really started to take writing more seriously. And by then, like I had, I had all this other life experience, you know, from the end of high school, all that to, to draw on. So, I mean, one, my, my first poem I actually ever had published by a literary magazine from, from the book, modern gay boy. And uh, it's called the big gay lottery. And, Basically, the 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 poem is just uh, two big. The, the big gay lottery is is uh, two things. You have to have uh, to win this lottery. You have to have uh, a loving family that, that's accepting and okay with with who you are, and then someone to spend your life with. So, uh, and uh, uh, is how because it, it, it is in, for the. For, like you said, the the people that are straight out there that might have a, a gay son or daughter, uh, that y- you just want to be supportive because it's something that that they're going to remember how you you dealt with it and how you, you handled it. And it's not not easy. It may not be easy to have like grace under pressure, um, but uh, it's certainly going to be something that that uh, is lasting. I'm fa- I was just having this thought the other day and I want to I've been holding off even talking about it until I had you on the show but I had this thought of you know how right now America's on fire and there's so much protesting and everything's going on regarding Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter and it made me think it's so interesting how it's almost like black people have to make white people feel comfortable and 
it starts making me think about us as homosexuals, how when we tell our friends, have you ever noticed how when gay people have to come out, they come out to their family, they come out to their friends. It's almost like those people make it about them. And then they say, oh, I'm going to need a moment to, to deal with this. And it's like, this yeah. isn't even about you. Yeah. <laughs> how did you twist that around? And now you, now you need to go sit down with your thoughts because of my lifestyle. Like I've always, what do you think of that? Do you think that will ever change? Uh, I think, you know, slowly, slowly change happens and it doesn't happen instantly or, or overnight. Like I'm sure things are different for me coming out than they, they were for you. Uh, yes, so, I'm way or, older. I'm but, way older. I'm, I didn't mean it. <laughs> but no, no, but, <laughs> but you're right. You came out like in what? 2009. Was that 2008? 2008. Yeah. And I came out yeah. in 1990. So that is 28 years. So when I tell you like, yeah, my mom called the police on me, you right. can, you can the, see. You, yeah. You can see the change. Right. And then 19 years later, I mean, that's a big difference. I mean, my, my mom cried and my, they were, like I said, they, they struggled with it, but, uh, it's, it's far and away more positive than having police calls. So, oh yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that that I was 17. That's not how you want to come out to your parents, but I can no. remember telling my best friend at the time who was two years older than me. I remember I, th I was 16. He was 18. I remember my mom found out the cops were called, whatever, blah, blah, blah. My friend came to visit and we were sitting by a pool and he said, how can you do this to us? And I was, and I think I, I had this moment where I just stood up and I said, this is not about you. And I was like 17, right. I was 18. I was like, this is not about you. This is about me. And if, and if you have a problem with it, I don't care. And right. I'm so glad I did that because it was that moment that has, has driven me throughout my entire life where if somebody's like, Oh, I don't like gay people. I don't like you cause you're gay. Cause I've had that. I've, I've had people say like, Oh, you know, I am, I'm not a big fan of gay people to my face. And I'm like <laughs> funny. Cause I don't like homophobes. So we are going to have the best relationship ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But and it's, go ahead. It's uh no, it's, it's, I connect with what you're what you're saying, like because uh, what, like I said, when, when I my friend outed me before I had a chance, um, one of the proudest moments in my life is how like I could have called out sick from school the next day or two. Uh, I could have like hid from it, but like I dug deep and just picked my head up and went to school. And um, that's something I, I I definitely still draw on uh, for strength all these years later. That, that you were able to get up and say, you know what, this could, this, this is going to be difficult for me, but I'm going to, I'm not going to hide under my, my blankets. I'm going to go and face these people. Exactly. And you know, that kind of happened to me too. I was in love with this Puerto Rican boy. His name was Ruben and we're not okay. friends anymore. So I'll call him out. And, um, <laughs> I wrote him a letter in school. And I wrote, now remember, I'm like 16. And I wrote, I am, and then I put three dashes because <laughs> I couldn't even say it myself. <laughs> I couldn't say the yeah, words myself, yeah. right? 
Um, and I remember, please, I remember writing, please keep it a secret. And what he did was he wrote in the words gay, right? Gave it back to me and then told everyone in the school. There you go. So uh, I, so then I go home and I have this letter and my heart's broken. And cause I liked this boy and my heart's broken. I feel betrayed. I crumple up the piece of paper and I throw it in into the trash can and I turn around, but what I don't know is it bounces off the lid of the trash can and just lays on the floor where my mom can oh, easily no. find it. Right. So she can yes. find it. Oh, of course. Right. Uh, so she finds it. So I'm working at McDonald's. I go to my shift at McDonald's. I come home. She's not home. It's not there on the floor. I don't think anything of it. She had, she found it and went to the bar and got inebriated. Right. Um, so she comes home and I'm playing duck hunt. That's probably too old for you on Nintendo, but I'm playing duck. Hunt. No, no. I, <laughs> I remember that game. <laughs> and she comes home drunk because, you know, in the nineties, the late eighties, early nineties, people just drove drunk and they, they, I don't think they cared as much as they do today. And she came in and she was on fire and I was like, what's up? And she's like, are you a faggot? Okay. And I'm like, uh, um, uh, um, uh, what are you talking yeah. about? And she pulls out the note and she's like, are you a faggot? Do I have a faggot for a son? Cause she loved that word. That was one of her favorite words. Mm. And, um, right. I remember thinking, oh my God, Joe, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So I lied <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh no, I think it's just a phase. And, mm -hmm. um, she, I, by this time I was standing up and, uh, my uncle showed up and uh, and her and I got into this screaming match and she's like, you're a faggot. I won't have a faggot for a son, blah, 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 blah. And she started pushing me. Like she started like man, like grabbing me and shaking me. You, mm -hmm. you, you can't do this to me. And I pushed her so hard that she flew like five feet, slammed up against the closet door and like just crumbled to the floor. Wow. So we're staring at each other and she's like, I'm calling the cops and I said, go ahead, bitch. It's nine one one. So I don't think she needed me to remind her <laughs> the number, right. but she called yeah. and the police came and I'll never forget. I was 17 and I'm standing on the other side of the cop car and she's standing by the house and she's telling them he hit me. He pushed me. He pushed me. And I say to them, ask her why. Mm -hmm. And, um, she said, he's a fag. And the, the female officer felt so bad. I think she could have been a lesbian, but she was like, do you have somewhere we can take you? And I was like, yes, to a friend's mm -hmm. house. So that was, mm -hmm. that's how I came out in 1990. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's different. It's definitely uh, different. I I'm sure it still happens today too. And that's why I think sure. our conversation is so important. Right. No, absolutely. I'm sure it does still happen. Um, hopefully, you know, it, it happens a lot less frequently and, and, uh, hopefully the next generation will happen, you know, less frequently still. Well, we hope, I mean, I'm looking outside right now. I'm watching the news and our country's on fire. Um, cities are burning. People are protesting, you know, Black Lives Matter. They're protesting why black people are being killed in the street. And this is something, 
you know, I can remember, you might not remember this, but I remember Rodney King in 1991. Like that's almost 30 years ago. Why are we still mm -hmm. in the same place? It's so, it's, it's just this question that lingers out there and no, I, I have no answer. It's, it's just ignorance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't have an answer either. Um, I'm not, no, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not a super political person mm -hmm. and I know that that's not something everyone likes to hear, but I, I'm, I've always been a dreamer. Like I, 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 my, my, my escape and like, I'll never, and I feel like people come to my page for that escape and I'll never be too political with it because it's, there's so much, so many other places people can go to, to, to express, you know, politics and things like, mm -hmm. and, and you, but you do need to release uh, an escape from it because it, it, it it's, uh, it's, it's it's necessary for to be healthy, like to have an escape. Why did um, you, why did you say, um, when you said, I don't get really into politics, I know that's not what people want to hear. Why did you say that? What is, what do you mean by that? Well, there's, there's lots of, uh, lots, I've been seeing, seeing posts of people are like, if you have any kind of a platform, you absolutely need to use it. And well, my platform is not for that. It's for, giving people, you know, positive me uh, messages, uh, little escapes about, you know, walking or, or connecting with people. So it's not, it's not, I know that, like, that's what I'm trying to say. Well, you don't, I, I, I know exactly what you're trying to say. And you don't have to, you know, if you have a platform, you're actually doing work you're actually helping the cause. Your platform doesn't have to be bash this politician, hashtag this, hashtag that. You know, the fact that people come to you for hope, that's your platform. Right. That's your platform. You're doing enough. The fact that somebody can come to your your Instagram page, read your books, feel hope, that is, that is your contribution. So please don't ever worry right. about what someone else like, Oh, you know, Oh, they don't want to hear that. I'm not into politics. You know, I'm not into politics. I'm a, I'm a funny person and I always struggle. Right. Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I was never into politics until 2016. I did. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, it, I, I, I hate this term, but I f became woke to politics at a very late age. Cause I always mm -hmm. felt Oh, it's going to be okay. Oh, it's going to be okay. Oh, it's going to be fine. And then in 2016 was the first time I was like, oh, I don't know if everything's going to be fine. I should educate myself more. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think your platform is what you're, you're giving hope to people. So I think that's so important. You And you actually have poems in here. I'm going to, I'm going to read one. I don't want to read your words, but I'm going to read one. It's a short one. It's um, in the anger section because right now everyone's angry. Everyone's a, a lot. Right. Of, I shouldn't say everyone that's hyperbole. Many millions of people, millions of people are angry. So, and I think this poem is so great. It's called headlines and policies. It's on page one Oh two in your book colors. Mm -hmm. And it's, you hear the headlines and the policies, you see the picket signs and the angry faces, and you wonder what do they have to be so angry about? Um, right. Do you remember writing this? Yeah, I, I 
I don't remember exactly, you know, the day I sat down to write it, but I know where it comes from. Oh, that, comes uh, from. That, that's the question I really wanted to ask. Please. Yes. Yeah, it comes, it comes mostly from homophobia and from uh, being pickets against gay weddings, uh, against gay marriage, uh, things like that. And that's where uh, it comes from. But, uh, you know, relevant to other things but that's where it, it, that comes from 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 me when i was writing it like and what do they have to be angry about like we're we're the one who have to struggle to get where other people are already right it, well it it makes it goes back to what i said a few minutes ago like when you when when gay people want equality in marriage, black people don't want to be killed in the streets by police. You know, you, the other people kind of get mad, and it's like this has nothing to do with you. This has to do with me trying to be who I am. And and another point I want to make is when you like when you think, oh, this book's colors and it's the rainbow flag on it and it's gay poetry on Instagram, but. Anybody who's angry at the world right now, black, white, orange, green, whatever, gay, straight, will mm -hmm. read that poem and they will connect. Right. Yeah, that I, I certainly hope so. And 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 uh, it, like it brings people together in in that feeling. Like we all feel this to a certain degree in different realms of 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 anything. Right. Everyone's um, angry about something, you know, yeah. it, how do I say this? Um, my, you know, lots of minority, you know, I consider gay people to be a minority and I, I, do you? Okay, good. Um, yeah, I mm -hmm. have minorities are smaller groups in within the population and minorities right. have always, exactly. yeah. Minorities have always had something to be angry about because we've always been treated like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's June, it's pride month. And when I asked you a couple months ago to be on the podcast, you were like, I would love to, can we wait and do it in June when it's pride month? And I thought, God, this, no wonder this guy, this guy's smart. You know, that makes a lot of sense, but who, re who would know that you'd be on the show in pride month and pride's basically canceled of events because of not only are we getting over a pandemic, but now you know, it's right. chaos in the streets. Who would have expected that? Yeah, no, I don't think certainly when we spoke a few months ago, either one of us expected this is where we'd be here. This is where we'd be under uh, on, on this phone call. So, I know. Um, it it might have been an entirely but, different conversation. Yeah, yeah, it might have. Uh, largely, I had, I had wanted, you know, happier time and uh like i said my writing is about mostly hope and inspiring and uh finding the strength in being gay like that's that's uh something i always uh go back to is this is i'm sure the journey is hard for sure but i don't my I, my my like slogan is we are gay and poetic and free like we're freer than we were 20 years ago we're 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 we should be living uh and i just want to inspire that um so that's like that's so that was the slogan of uh modern gay boy and uh the slogan of colors is uh 
uh, you shine so brightly. Like no matter who you are, it's good. It's, there should be some good in there, and uh, you know, let the good good outshine the bad. Um, a few other, uh, one other poem I wanted to touch on in colors is uh, it's a few pages later. Divided. It's on page one hundred five, and uh, I'll just read it if you, if you don't mind. Oh no, quick. please! That's amazing. No. Oh my God! Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so uh, the the title is divided. On one side, there is a group of people who swear their ideas are right. And on the other side, there is a group of people who swear their ideas are right. And in the middle, there are a brave few souls. And that's something that I really believe is like, in the middle, the people that are willing to keep an open mind about both sides and to consider how people feel on both sides, that's where I feel like the real bravery is being able to keep an open mind uh, regardless of what side you, you fall on. Uh, and, and so that's not easy to, no. to, uh, to keep an open mind to the other person or the other side's point of view, even when everything you believe is, is different. So that's like, uh, something I really, really wanted to highlight, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's important to me in the middle is are the brave few souls. Would you consider yourself to be in the middle? Uh, I consider I, I consider myself more in the middle than most because I always try to, to, to see both sides, and I I, uh, I I studied psychology in at Rutgers too uh, in, 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 in relation to being an English major and a psych major, so I I, I guess I'm I've been wired or educated in that, that way to, to try to keep, see things from other people's point of view. And that's just something I try to uh, keep in my mind and try to express to people that read my, my work is like, no one is all right. Like no one side is all right about every single thing. And you take the good from one side, the good from the other side and, and try to find a way to blend and, 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 make make both work together that's where you know i think everyone that's where the goal should be oh yeah to just to be able to take okay you're different you're different i'm in the middle i'm 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 open to everything you know i I kind of sit, I can, I know we don't, we're not going to really talk about politics, but I understand the middle mm -hmm. because I am kind of, I'm like in the middle of politics. Like I can, I like moderate. I like those, those politicians that are in the middle who use their brain and say, all right, well, I'm a little on the right on this, but I'm a little on the left on that. Um, right. Let's I, make, let's, Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's let's work together to find a situation. And that it's the same way. It was the same way with um, marriage equality. It's like, at some point, you just have to say, all right, well, what's best for everyone? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I appreciate that. And I was just curious of where if you can, I, I'm sure you can, would consider yourself to be in the middle of a very open minded person. But I was just talking to my therapist before we started recording this episode. And I was talking to him about um, biases we have that we don't even know we have. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'll share this. And this is what we were talking about was when I moved to Colorado, I wanted to look for I, I needed to look for a new doctor. 
So I said, um, okay. I want a male doctor because I'm getting older. And when I was in California, my doctor retired and then I got a new one and she was so young. I could have been her dad. So after the, after the appointment, I was like, this has nothing to, I would go out with you and have coffee and talk to you about being a flight attendant all day. But if you're going to grab my balls, that's not going to work. So Right. <laughs> when I moved to Colorado, I was like, I'm going to get a male doctor because I'm almost 50 and I just like that. So I pick, I get the whole list of doctors. There's only one male doctor and he's seeing new patients. I'm like, perfect. So I get there and mm -hmm. I meet my new doctor and my doctor is trans. Oh, wow. So because there's no denying it, right? So I go through mm -hmm. the session, but as I'm driving home, there's this moment of, am I okay? Am I comfortable with this? Why wouldn't I be? So then I start questioning myself. I start thinking, you horrible person. Why would you even, why would that even cross your mind? Who cares? Um, so I had to talk mm -hmm. to my therapist about it. And I was like, am I an awful person? He's like, you're not an awful person. We all have some type of bias. And the important thing is that it's not something you carry on. It was a fleeting thought of, am I okay with this? Why wouldn't I be? Of course I'm okay. All right, move on. I think that's normal. Mm -hmm. Right, um, right, exactly. And, um, but I don't even know why. I think I just shared that because we were talking about, about that. And I was like, oh, I want to share this because I wonder if he'll connect to that. But um, yeah, that's being self-aware of, of biases you have and being self-aware, uh, you know, that it's okay long as you're able to, uh, you know, move, move past it. Right. It's not like I called and said, I can't have a trans doctor get, I need a new one. No, I was just like, am I okay with that? But then it start. it just opened up all these questions to me. Like, why wouldn't I be okay with it? This is karma, Joe, because you were walking around going, I want a male doctor. And this is what you get for, for making that <laughs> statement as I want a male yeah. doctor. Um, but I want to talk a little, cause it is pride month. Um, mm -hmm. what do you think of the people who say, Oh, if the gays have a month and the blacks have a month, we need a straight month. You know, last year in August, I believe they did that straight pride parade in Boston, which was basically a white supremacy party. Oh boy. <laughs> did you hear about that? Uh, I think I did hear, I did hear about that. Um, and I, I, it's like, what do you say that? Well, we have, mm -hmm. no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, like we have June is our month to like come together and, and, uh, be increase how we feel about being proud. And, uh, an essential, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the word normal, but in essential feel like more of a sense of belonging in the mainstream world mm -hmm. so uh yeah i don't think the, the entirety of the mainstream needs their own month but what i think straight people don't understand and of course i'm not attacking straight people a lot of straight people listen to this podcast is mm -hmm. they don't understand why black people have a pride month and gay people have a pride month. And, you know, I used to say, well, you guys have pride every day. So settle down. You know, that was my, mm -hmm. that was my response when I was younger. It was like, well, you get every other fucking day. So you have all the months and all the days for sent for decades and centuries. So chill out. Right. But 
I realized that that's, that's not helping. You know, you've got to share with people why there is a gay pride and it's because we were oppressed. Absolutely. The whole, the whole, how, how you came out, how, how I came out, like that's something that we went through. That, that's we're proud that we went through it and that, well, that, that we're still, still here. Like, and that we are, who we're okay with who we are. Um, the, the pride comes from, like you said, the, the being repressed, that struggle. Yes. Yeah. And it's, and that's not something everyone goes through. Right. Like I asked a straight friend once I said, well, wh what was the hardest part about being straight growing up? And he was like, I don't understand your question. I was like, right. did, did it, were you afraid? Did you, were you afraid to be yourself around people? Did you, did you have to date someone that you didn't really want to date just so you didn't get beat up? Like, like what did you, what, how was it? Oh, it was fine. Okay. It wasn't for the gay kids. Right. I mean, I'm sure that there's some parents out there that are like, oh, my son's eight and gay. That's fantastic. But most people, most gay people did not have that. We had a real, you know, kids are killing themselves. They're committing suicide. Um, mm -hmm. do you, I don't think straight people commit suicide because they're straight and they don't know how to tell their friends. Right. Um, no, absolutely not. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Please but, share your thoughts. No, no. Yeah, no, absolutely not. That's uh, I just don't think it's, it's not easy to grasp like how it, how deeply it, it affects your every aspect of your life for years growing up when you're trying to grow up anyway, like just trying to grow up is hard, hard, hard enough. Right. Oh yeah. And, and not even being a black kid or a gay kid, just, just growing up. But then imagine yeah. you're, you, you carry this lie with you. You're this lie that is a lie because you're not sharing it. You're living, you know, a secret and you're, so you're a teenager. You're dealing with all this bullshit. That's ev every teenager deals with. Imagine you're dealing with, um, puberty you're becoming a teenager, but you don't even like girls or say you're a girl, a lesbian, and you don't even like guys. And so just add that onto your entire experience. Yes. No, I, I'm not sure if I, that it's a lie because it's necessity uh, to, oh. until like you're, you're, you're able to stand on your own. Uh, I think it's more survival than, than a lie. Uh, I, and I, I've written about that in the past too, because, you know, we, you do, you do feel like at, at some point deceitful and you do feel, you know, bad about hiding who, who you are. Absolutely. Uh, but when it's done for the purpose of needing to literally survive to get to where you can be your own person, then I, 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 I definitely don't feel like it's straight out right like lying oh i like that you said that i know i like that you said that because it's more and i'm really on this kick about survival lately so it's really more mm -hmm. just survival instinct not living a lie but just you can't live your truth because you're in fear of what's going to happen you know people lose their family like you can easily mm -hmm. be like get out of my house like parents kick their children out for being gay. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. 
I've read stories where dads are like, I'd rather have you be a murderer. You'd, right. ra you'd rather have me kill someone than just to, this is who I was. I was born this way. I, mm -hmm. do you believe gay people are born gay? Uh, I, I do. I don't think this is ever something I, I chose. Uh, I don't know, you know, exactly how, how it happened. I'm, I'm born pre pre exposure. To, uh, pre exposure. To I don't what? know. I feel I, not exposure. Uh, just there's spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, not being, you could you could obviously be be both or have different um, experiences. So I don't think it's, but it's never something I just chose, or and I don't think any of us just chose. No, no, and and that's what I always get so confused about when straight people who have nothing, who have no idea what it's like to be gay or what a gay is, right? I love when they say it's mm -hmm. a choice. Well, first of all, you're not even part of it. You don't even know, <laughs> right? You don't even know what's happening here. You don't know what's going on. Because um, I remember when I was younger, and I don't know if you can relate to this. When I was younger, in my like twenties, probably early, early twenties, mid twenties, I would always think. If I wish I could have been straight, mm -hmm. I wish I could, I wish I was straight. Look at all my friends. They, they seem so much happier. And here I am struggling just to be okay with myself, to love myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I did not love myself right. in my twenties. So it's, um, mm -hmm. so you get this feeling of, oh my goodness, what am I doing? What's happening? And, and it's not like that for straight people. They, they just don't understand. So it's, it's not a choice if I could go back, but like I was saying, when I was younger, I wanted to be straight, but now that I'm 47, mm -hmm. I love that I'm gay. I'm, I Absolutely. think it was such yeah, a no. gift. Of course, because it makes you, it makes you stronger. It, it makes you, it gives you strength to draw on when, when things are hard. Like, uh, and that's, that's one of the saddest things about, you know, young young people that take their lives is that it does, it sounds cheesy and it's a, it's a movement that it, it gets better, but it does. And there's so much good that's coming. You just have to get to, and like I said, survive to get there. Right. Um, and I, 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 in, in modern gay boys, there's, there's a poem called magic pill. And, uh, which, if there was a scientist who had a magic pill that could you could take and then be straight, would you do it? And you know, now, while we might have we might have wanted that or, or thought we wanted that when we were younger, uh, no, the, the, this journey is, is something to be grateful for and uh, to be proud of. Uh, would you, if you could take a pill now, would you? To be straight? No, absolutely no. not. Yeah, no. no. I, I love that you talked about strength because gay people, like minorities, gay people, black people, Latin people, any minorities, well, the Latin Latins actually are in a couple years going to surpass everyone else, but with population, mm -hmm. but minorities in general, we come out strong because we have so much bullshit to deal with. Absolutely. And yep. If I was a, if I was a straight 47 year old, I would be my life. I would probably, and I hate to say this, but 
I would definitely not be, I don't think I'd be as strong as I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, for one life would have been easier probably. Right. Straight guy, you get out of high school, you married a girl, you have a couple kids, boom. Right. Um, there's no, Oh my goodness. I'm trying to find love. And my, and in my group, you know, in the gay culture back in the day, no one wanted to date for long periods of time because no one really loved themselves. So if you don't love yourself and you don't feel comfortable and you don't have rights and shit like that, you're not going to love some, you can't love someone else if you don't yeah. love yourself. How the hell are you going to love someone else? <laughs> and I, thank you, RuPaul. Can I get an amen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I love that you said that it was strength that yeah, is we're the thing. So much stronger than we even give ourselves credit for. And that's what I, I, I just want so badly to be able to shake anyone who's feeling like they're useless or, or weak or small, like you're so strong. Like you, if you were going to, if you were going to, if you were going to do something that extreme and like take your own life, like you missed your chance basically. Cause you've already lived through, through the worst of it. You've already lived through so much that, that it, it you know what I'm trying to say? Like, oh. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Are you, what, so what I'm hearing is you're saying like, if you, if you struggle with being gay and then you come out and then you kill yourself after you've already done all the hard work. Right. Yeah. Like no. you're, yeah. you've already lived through too much shit. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Why? Like just sir. don't kill it. Like, and it's so easy to say, don't kill yourself, but we can't put ourselves in people's shoes and what they're going through. But we can say from experience it does, it does get better. And like you said, it sounds like a cliche, but I've seen, like, I never thought I would be able to marry my boyfriend. Right. Never, like never, ever, 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 ever. Um, but switching topics, switching topics a little bit, seeing as we're talking mm -hmm. about suicide, did you ever go through a period yeah. where you contemplated committing suicide? Uh, I don't think seriously no i mean it was always something and it's something i write write about something i always knew that could happen it was an option i, I, write, I write a wrote a poem about this in modern gay boy it's, i mean I, I feel silly reading from my own books oh no please it, please read it no no that's why you're yeah <laughs> i mean the title the, the, the title of it is is suicide and uh it can express how i feel a little bit more clearly than uh okay suicide's an option this is how I, how I felt and how I used, you know, the fact that it was an option as motivation not to, basically. So suicide's an option. Don't give me that look. It's sure as fuck is an option. We've considered it, announced it, perhaps tried it. It's there in our back pocket. A card, we take comfort in knowing we can play at any time. But there's also a chip on our shoulder. A chip that whispers in our ear every time we consider pulling that card out. That little dirty chip chirps loud for such a little shit. It fucking screams like a motherfucking banshee. Bitch, you missed your chance. You've already, you've already lived through too much bullshit. If you were going off yourself, you should have done it before all that. Oh. Wow, that's that's tough love. That's like that. I I almost felt like I was being slapped around. <laughs> but <laughs> and it was very powerful. No, that was great. I guess being being aggressive at my younger self, like you're, or at my my current self, my younger self from my current 
from my younger self to my current self. Like, why would you do that? We're, we're already, you know, already lived through, through so much shit that, you know, let's, let's keep going. Did you write that to your younger self to say, yeah, you know, don't do, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Yeah. My younger self, uh, any, any kid who picks up the book, who, who reads it and might even be, you know, considering it, it's like, think about it all you want, but kind of make, make them feel like it's too late to do that. So don't do it. Uh, right. Um, Suicide always makes, when somebody I know commits suicide, it's the saddest thing that I can, I can't comprehend it because when you think of suicide, Mm -hmm. you think this person had no op, this was the, their option was to not be alive anymore. That is, Mm -hmm. that was out of all the options in the world, out of everything you can possibly do, your option was to die that like I have goose, I have goosebumps. There was a girl that worked for my airline and um, I think she suffered from really bad depression. She may have had, um, she may have had a drinking issue, right? But she ended up leaving the airline Mm -hmm. industry and I followed her and we were on, we were friends for social media and it seemed like her life was going very well, right? When she left the Mm -hmm. airline industry and then she committed suicide. And Mm -hmm. it was, and she's not gay, but, and I don't know why or how she did it, but I just remember thinking it broke my heart. Her name was, um, excuse me. Um, I'm not going to say her name, but it, it broke my heart to think that that was her, that was it. That was it. She, she was at the end of her rope and she thought Mm -hmm. I have nowhere else to go. And so to think that there's gay teenagers out there who could be going through that, I'm glad that they can go to your Instagram page and feel some love and support. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I, like, I keep, I keep posting is uh, there's I, the, the, the messages I receive are about how from, from some people that it, it gives them strength and they look for my posts and uh, like that alone is enough to, to keep me want, wanting to keep, keep writing. Uh, even if it's just a few people that uh, or one person that's connecting and, and drawing strength from, from what I'm writing. Uh, right. And sure. they are, and they uh, are, you're doing your platform. That's your platform. Your platform is saving and helping young people or people who might be afraid to be who they are. That is what, that is what you're doing. And that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I recently reached out to Glisten, and uh, they they were considering my book. Uh, they were considering both books for their recommended reading list, and that, I, I haven't heard mm. back. It's been a, it's been a few months, but I, that would be like an ultimate goal for me to be able to reach you know, who I feel need 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 it the most. Right. You're on on your Instagram page. You are breaking up there a little mm-hmm. bit. I don't know if you're moving around oh, or no, it's okay. Sometimes if you move around, it, it, you break up. Um, on your Instagram page, I noticed that you have, you know, underneath the narrative and the description of the page, you have all the colors of the rainbow. And so I clicked on them and I understand the colors of the, I know it's for the colors of the rainbow, but what does each color represent to you for the poems that you put in there? Uh, those are, those are, I'll be honest, very, just very aesthetic. Like they're red posts, orange posts, 
because uh, I try to make my page colorful. So yeah. if anyone wants to see like like old posts through the highlights, uh, rather than scrolling back through, I have over a thousand posts. Like stuff's going to get lost in there. So just a way to show some of the older stuff to some people who might be new to the page. Okay. Yeah, that was. Um, I didn't know if it was red is for anger, blue is for love, green is for money. No, there's definitely there's um, no yeah. There's definitely uh, like the the stages sort of mirror the colors, but not like directly. Uh, just there's there's six sections and six colors. So well, that makes um, sense. Yeah. Uh, you said you want to do a, a book giveaway. Oh yeah, we definitely want to do that do that. Um, I don't know how we'll do that, but I still have some more questions for you because you're not done yet, sir. Sure. You're definitely not done. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was like, is he trying to leave me? Not yet. Not yet. Um, you no. won, you won the yellow chair review rock the chair challenge award for a poem you wrote called Republicans and Democrats. Right. Um, can you explain to me what the, I've unfortunately have not read that poem. I don't know if you have it there. Um, but, can you explain uh, to me what that poem it. is about? Yeah, uh, that's another poem that falls along the line, sort of like divided, where the, the 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 real strength is being keeping an open mind and being in the middle, and not one side is all right. Uh, Republicans or Democrats? It's a short poem. Uh, Hush the voice of the of the night, and you shall have true silence. Fill the owls mute the crickets by the hands of the wind and blind the masked raccoons and other side haste upon the dawn and you shall have true waste lay down your arms and do not be surprised when your words don't stop the bears so uh, basically like it's uh, one extreme m muting everyone that, that is trying to speak out and then the other extreme you know Using words to solve problems is is you know ideal, but it's not always practical. The most practical, uh, so it's like both sides again. And and then talking about the importance of being in the middle, like mm -hmm. not being so far one side, not being so far the other side, being in the middle so that you can hear both sides, make educated decisions, educated conversations. I think, I think that's why it's so important to like have these conversations like this, because everyone yeah. needs to hear these kind of things. So being in the middle, being open-minded and I, but when I saw that you had won an award for that, I was like, Oh, I need to hear this, this poem. Um, how did you, yeah, no, I was very honored. How did you go about winning that? Did you, did you submit it yourself or did they I, find you? No, I did submit it myself. Uh, and, uh, but it was then, and then they selected it as the winner of that, uh, that prize. So, uh, it was nice to be able to share that with a larger audience than, than my own. Um, oh yeah. When I saw, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for him to, hopefully he'll read that. And you did. So, yay. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> um, now that you're almost 30, right? Will you be 30 this year? Yeah, I just turned 30. <laughs> you just, yay. When was your birthday? February. Oh, my good. Well, happy birthday. You're 30. Wow. Oh, my God. You, yeah. 
You were born and I was a senior in high school, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> how, how are you still writing? Are you currently writing right now new material that reflects how you feel now? Um, I'm, I'm always writing little, little things. I'm not, not working on any current uh, books or, or larger projects. I'm always writing posts uh, for the Instagram page. Um, I've been focusing a lot on teaching because uh, it's been more challenging, obviously, uh, remotely. So, right. Uh, that's that's where I where I've been spending most of my uh, quarantine days trying to come up with new activities for the kids to do. What grade do you teach, and what subject? Uh, I teach first grade. Oh my god! So, uh, all the subjects, but you know, not nothing too. First, <laughs> now. Was it easier being able to focus on writing poetry when you're in the classroom? Because when you go home, now it's home time, and I know I can focus on this. And from, teaching from home is so different and chaotic; it just throws you off. Yeah, it's like the whole the whole apartment here is is you know my desk for work. So <laughs> uh, it's not as you know. I would always find a little bit of inspiration to write when I come home from work and like decompressing from the day. Uh, I'm weird. I like coffee in the afternoon. <laughs> mm. So uh, I put on coffee and do some writing, getting home from work. But uh, now teaching is definitely, uh, and especially teaching from home, it's, it's not a uh, 8.30 to 3.30 job like most people think. There's weeks where just lesson planning until Sunday afternoon and just trying to have a few hours on a salvage out of the weekend. But, um, I mean, and, and you know, you know, inspiration for writing strikes at the oh, most yes. random times. Absolutely. There's no, there's no, uh, exactly sitting, you could sit down all ready to write with a day ahead of you and a full pot of coffee and be, have zero inspiration. Oh, oh yeah. That's the worst, right? That's the worst yeah. when you're like, I know I have to get some writing done. And then you sit there and you're like, yeah, nothing's coming. I might as well just go watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> how, and, uh, I, I mean, no, go ahead. I was going to ask you how long you had been a, how long have you been a teacher? Uh, this is the end of my third year. Third so uh, three years. And um, does it bring you joy? Oh, so much joy. Like it's, it, it's, awesome <laughs> interacting with the kids is the best part for sure seeing them grow is is great the lesson planning and all the other things eh, not not as much but it it's not like on a sunday night at 8 30 i'm sitting there dreading going through another work week i'm excited to hear about the kids weekends and the silly stories they're going to tell me right because <laughs> Kids don't really know how to, kids don't really have a filter. That's why I would love to be a first grade teacher because you just know they're coming home. I'm like, mommy and daddy were running around the house naked yesterday. And you're like, no, no, don't. <laughs> yeah. Do they do, does that there's really no, happen? Oh, there's no filter. Like oh, they, and the littlest things are like the biggest moments of their weekend. Like, uh, I don't know, just a, a, a new game they got, a new toy they, 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 a drawing they did, so littlest thing, a leaf they saw. Did um, 
with the with the um, I have a friend who uh, one of my best friends, his daughter's going into the first grade next year. She just graduated from kindergarten. And so when you were okay. telling me that I'm thinking of her and I'm thinking of how so out not outrageous, but so charismatic she is when she's telling a story. I almost feel like, God, I need to tap into that because that's just this right. unlimited <laughs> amount of energy that's coming out of your six and a half year old body that I need. I need that. Um, do, right. do any of your students, have they ever inspired you to write for the, like a write a poem about them or for them or anything like that? Yeah, a few have. Oh, yeah. I'm not uh, not going to share exactly which ones, but oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, they're uh, there's like I said, I'm a I'm, I'm a dreamer and romantic uh, at heart. So like little innocent things like helping another child, so you, one child helping another child who's struggling with you know writing their name, like that's just poetic to me. Uh, oh, so when they sure. when they learn how to write their name, that's that sound to me. It sounds not that exciting, but for a teacher, I'm sure it's a big reward. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just to see how far they uh, they go from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Uh, oh yeah. And then you forget how little they are when they come in because they reset during September first, basically. So uh, then you can really see the growth from from last year. It's cool. I look at my my outgoing class write like a advice book to the incoming class and we read it on the first first day or two of school and uh just seeing you know where their thoughts are in in the beginning within class compared to where they were at the end of first grade with the, the exiting the outgoing class it's pretty cool yeah, that's real. It would be so interesting because, you know, a lot of parents do that. They post on social media the first day of school photo and the last day of school photo. And, you know, as a friend on social media, you might not see any more pictures of the kid. And then when you see that, you're like, holy crap, that kid grew. Do they really grow that fast? And they do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's two two week breaks for winter break or a week and a half break. They come back and you're like, you definitely grew an inch. <laughs> Aw, you know, I wanted to be a teacher when I was in high school and, um, but I wanted to teach high school. I imagine teaching first grade, like up to like maybe the third is probably the best because they're still sweet. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're, they're still excited about learning. And, and, and then I think once you start getting to like the fifth and sixth grade, they become like, what, how do I say it? Demons. Um, uh, I certainly couldn't do middle school. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine being a middle school teacher? I bet you they drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds I, I like awful. To, I, I remind my, I remind myself like uh, anything my, my kids, my class, anything they do is not on purpose. Like anything that, that's wrong it's, or, or that might get annoying or anything. Uh, just kids being little kids. So, yeah, they're just kids. They're kids. Well, yeah. I think I would love for you to teach my kids if I had them, because I know you would be loving and caring and be a great teacher. Have you, and this could be an, um, a inappropriate question, but I'm going to ask it. Have you gotten mm -hmm. any negative? I don't know if you're out to parents and if you uh, are, did you ever get any type of negative feedback for that? No, I haven't had negative feedback oh, at, at okay. all for it. Um, it's uh, 
work with teachers is a great community and uh i'm sure i, I know for a fact that parents have found my writing uh oh. and and things like that but uh no that never never been anything that's good oh that gives me hope yeah. that gives me hope that, <laughs> that that makes me happy um i have i have two more questions for you before i let you go but i just wanted to sure. know you know, your book is in, in your latest book colors. It's denial, sadness, anger, strength, love, and happiness. Where are you in that at this moment? Uh, I'm somewhere between love and happiness, I'd say. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's great. And what but a journey. It, it, it's uh, a great journey, too. Absolutely. And uh, the, 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 all, all the stages are with you always through you know, every moment of your life, once you, once you get further down, but not like you lose the sadness that made, that led to your strength, the anger that led to your strength. Uh, it's always, your, your journey is always a part of you. And that's not just beyond the book, but in, in general life. Right. Well, I love it. The idea that, and I asked you where you were at this moment, because when I look at the words, when I look at these six words on the back of the book, I, I immediately think right now I'm, I'm where Joseph is. I'm between love and happiness. I'm, I'm very happy and I'm loved and that's perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but anything can happen in life where you can hop around to all these different emotions. Absolutely. So in six months from now, I could be angry, you know, tomorrow I could be sad. So I think what's great about this book is you keep it close to you. And when you're having that emotion, you can go in, you can read these poems and you can really connect and then you don't feel so alone. So thank you for that. Oh, no, thank you for, for telling me that. Like, I appreciate it. Well, and it's so much, and I, and it's so smart. I don't know if you wrote it like that, or that was your idea, but that's what I pick up on it. I'm like, this is a book that I can go to when I'm feeling every emotion because he, and he made it so simple for me. He actually wrote it in, in each chapter. So I don't even have to think a section. I don't even have to think I could just be like, I'm angry right now. Let me go read these. And now I feel my anger feels justified and I'm okay it's okay to be angry. I think people, right. people, no, absolutely. people are like, don't get angry. No, no. Anger's good. Anger's good. Um, before I let you go, I want to just do one more thing and it's play my game. Let's get grounded where you pick an airline and I ask you the question. It's pretty simple. So, okay. and you can pick any airline you want, your favorite airline, the, the worst airline, whatever. So your options are American airlines, JetBlue, Spirit, United, Southwest, or Alaska. Okay, let's do JetBlue. JetBlue. That's because you're based in New York and everybody does JetBlue. So, but <laughs> it's also my favorite question. So I'm always hoping that everyone picks JetBlue. On, okay. a, on a flight from Los Angeles to Sydney, if you could sit next to any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Wow, that is a great question. It's my favorite question. I should just ask that question anyway, because it's such a good one. Yeah, that is a great question. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, let's see. Well, the, the little kid, the sports fan in me wants to say Henrik Lundqvist, who is the goalie for the ring uh, my whole life growing up. 
He's the goalie and for I, who? Uh, I'm sorry. The New York Rangers. Oh, okay. The New York okay. Rangers, a hockey hockey team. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then part of me would would uh, probably say uh, Harper Lee for her. Uh, oh, to kill a mockingbird. To kill a mockingbird. Yes. Yeah. I'd have a lot of questions for her, and uh, I think that'd be a pretty cool conversation. I'd want to know. Did you? Are you mad that they? published the prequel book after because I know you didn't really want it to be published. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Was, was the second half of the question, what would I ask them? Yes. What would you ask them? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No, I would ask first. I would ask her if she wrote it because there's all, that whole thing about if she wrote it or not. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Uh, that sounds yeah, juicy. A lot, of people, a lot of people think the book was written by uh, Truman Capote, uh, a ghostwriter, a few other, a few other theories. It's part of the reason why people think she never wrote. Oh, you broke, you broke up. Um, do people think she didn't even write to kill a mockingbird? Some people do. Oh, I didn't Some know people that. think, uh, there's a, yeah, that, that Truman Capote wrote it or someone else wrote it. And that's why she never wrote a second book. Oh, cause um, she wasn't a writer. Right. Oh. Uh, some people think like she did. Some people think she didn't write again because there's just no topping it. And no matter what she wrote after that, it would have been, you know, a step down. So, I mean, if that's the case, I, I would ask her, like, what other ideas or stories did you have that you never wrote? Um, I would look to ask her, like, did she, did she really approve the, the whole second book, uh, Ghost of a Watchman? Because uh, that was actually supposedly a first draft of, of To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really cool story because it's like it's something out of, like a, a storybook in itself. Author writes debut, well, best book of all time almost on a lot of a lot of people's lists, and then it becomes a recluse and never writes again. And then all of a sudden, there's a second manuscript uh, for the book, and where did it come from? And it's a cool story. And did did she really prove putting it out there uh, in her last days? So. That would be. I would a, ask her all about all that. About is, that. that is a. I never thought about asking her to sit next to me, but you just got me so interested. Now I'm going to spend the rest of the afternoon <laughs> reading all these theories because you know yeah. I heard. I also heard that you know when they were publishing it, she never wanted um, this book to come out because it was like the first draft of To Kill a Mockingbird. Sure, yeah. um, so mm-hmm. I remember thinking. And, you know, I believe at the time she was still alive when it came out, right? But she yeah. had dementia yeah. and she was in a nursing home, I think, or something like that. And I thought, mm-hmm. how shitty, who is the person that approved this? Because if you did, you're just doing this for money. Right, exactly. And this was something she went her whole life actually succeeding at it, not posting an, or, or publishing another book. And then to have that happen, kind of... Uh, it sucks. Yeah, it yeah, for sure. It reminds me of when I see things like Whitney Houston hologram tour. I'm like, oh, okay now. I love Whitney Houston <laughs> like everyone else, but let this woman rest in peace for goodness sake. Like like you're just you're, right. you're trying to I'm make trying to money, money. <laughs> off her after she's dead. Yeah. Like uh, oh, th- that reminds me when this calls over, I have to go downstairs and tell my husband, if you, pr- if you publish anything I've written on any of my journals after I'm <laughs> dead, I will haunt you for the rest of my life. 
Yeah, all the, the stuff that didn't quite uh, didn't quite make it. Or That's all the juicy stuff. Yeah, you should read yeah. these journals. They're crazy. Joseph, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think you are so talented, and I'm so glad you write poetry, and I really connected with your book colors. Please let everyone know where they can find your books, buy your books, follow you on social media, everything. Sure. So uh, on, on um, Amazon, I have uh, five books. Uh, Colors and uh, Modern Gay Boys, uh, the most popular of them. There's a book of short stories about loss and redemption. That's called Some College Somewhere. Uh, that would be that would appeal to everyone. The Alphabet of Dating is a is a, a novel I wrote told through the second person. So uh, it basically talks to the reader, like you were there when I, you know, uh, on that on that day when the wind blew the kites into the trees. Um, and uh, it's about how we all have our own quest for love and people that make up our journey to love. Your first dates, first kisses, first crushes, relationships that didn't work, blind dates that didn't work out, real relationships that lasted years. It's all part of your, your journey for love. That's the alphabet of dating. Um, please follow uh, Gay Poetry on Instagram. Uh, and uh, you want to do a book giveaway. So if you'd like to be in the, the book giveaway, you can repost your favorite poem from my page. Use the hashtag gay poetry and the hashtag flight attendant Joe, and uh, I'll enter your name into a raffle. And at the end of Pride Month, at the end of June, we'll do a drawing live on Instagram, and the winner uh, will get a free book of their choice. Wow, thank you so much, Joseph. That's so generous. Aw, I appreciate that. Now, I'm not going to enter, but boy, do I I want another book. But no, that sounds great. And we'll give more details on that um, on Instagram um, when the episode airs, which is on June 8th, which is Monday. So awesome. that's so awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on the show. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. It Take- was great. Yes, take care and be safe. All right, you as well. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also, check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.
questions at once. I don't know if that's how you feel. But